Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too, because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 Achievers Growing Our Lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. But the beauty is when there's so much turbulence, things are much more malleable and easier to change. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the show. You guys get ready. You are about 
to get your mind blown. My next guest is one of my favorite guests. He has previously been on and literally rocked my world. If you want to not only change your life, upgrade your life, whether it's sleep, whether it's food, whether it's the way that you're thinking, whether it's your overall general operating systems in life, I'm telling you this human is an absolute genius. And he doesn't just tell you or teach you. He actually gives you the science. So it gives you this real grounded proof that makes you just want to step up and do the things that really help you. And today, Sean Stevenson is on the show. And I'm telling you, this might be one of my favorite podcasts because I am so obsessed with learning at how we can just get better. And he's the author of the international best-selling book, Sleep Smarter, which that book in itself changed my life. And he's the creator of the Model Health Show, featured as the number one health podcast in the US with millions of listeners and downloads each year. He's a graduate of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. He studied business, biology, and nutritional science. He went on to be the founder of Advanced Integrative Health Alliance, a company that provides wellness services for individuals and organizations worldwide. He's been featured in Forbes, Fast Company, The New York Times, Muscle and Fitness, ABC, ESPN, and many other media outlets. You guys, he now has his new book out called Eat Smarter, which... It's about using the power of food to reboot your metabolism, upgrade your brain, and transform your life. I'm telling you, after I was talking to him, there are totally some things that I am changing so that I can just function better. I can feel better. You guys, we are so much smarter, healthier, and happier than we give ourselves credit for. And there are just a few tweaks that we can make to totally become the people that we want to become. So let's get started. Sean, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you back on. It's been a while. It has. It's been too long. I Way know. too long. I know. It's crazy. And it, it's kind of nuts because you moved to California and I moved away, which is so sad. <laughs> but also... Yeah, I'm not going to take it too personally, but a little. It wasn't you. a little you. bit. It wasn't you. Um, you know, I, I do like miss the world's most perfect weather every single day. So how are you? Are you enjoying that? Are you enjoying that every day? You don't ever have to look at your phone. It's just going to be, it's going to be perfect. <laughs> you know, it was one of the things that I would marvel at people saying, you know, the weather, it's always the same yeah. as if that's a problem, yeah. you know, coming from Louis in the Midwest. You know, it's beautiful at certain times of the year, like, but we get extremes of everything. You know, winter is much nicer when you can visit it. Yes. You know? But uh, so being here and just being able to kind of you know, go outside and do the things that, that I want to do outdoors, you know, it's all, it definitely is a plus. Yeah. Whenever you want. It's just like every single day. It doesn't dictate what you're doing, like where wherever you've lived before or anywhere besides there for the most part, it kind of di- dictates what you're doing. So I think for someone who does as much as you do too, it is like very important to be in an energizing environment, you know, that you can, you could, you don't have to plan necessarily around that. So, all right. So before we like dive into this incredible topic of eating smarter, which your last book, uh, Sleep Smarter, like totally changed my life. So I can't wait for this one because you always have just like these mind blowing 
facts, science, things to back, you know, what people are saying, which makes you feel so grounded in the decisions that we're making around sleep, around food, um, and knowing that we have some control over it. So I'm so excited for this book because I think yeah. what it does is it literally gives us control back in our lives where I think a lot of things, even before I read your last book was like, maybe this is just who I am. Like can think it's a deeply flawed personality disorder. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm like so excited to be talking about your book. But before that, I just want to know, like, is there anything super exciting in your life right now? Oh, <laughs> I mean, at this time, everything is, we could call it exciting or terrifying. You know, it just depends <laughs> on the labeling in your body. You know, yep. there's so much going on in the world. You know, uh, a good friend of mine says things are very fluxed up right now. Yeah. You know? and, <laughs> But the beauty is when there's so much turbulence, things are much more malleable mm. and easier to change. We had a lot of systems, a lot of things that were just kind of festering beneath the surface. And we weren't really at a, at a, at a community-wide level paying attention to the things. Mm. We knew there were issues, but now these things get to really get some attention. And yes. like, for example, you know, over 200 million people in the United States are overweight or obese right now. Mm. Over 200 million, like that, again, the number is so difficult for us to wrap our minds around. Wow. And I just shared a study um, two days ago that within the next 10 years, half of the population will be clinically obese. Oh my gosh. You know, and this is, it's not okay. It's, this is not normal, but we've come to accept this as normal. And right now, 135 million people are type two diabetic or pre-diabetic here in the United States. Mm. 70% of the population is on a pharmaceutical drug right now. And Wait, how, how much did you say? 70? 70 percent. Oh my yes. God. And, and this is part of the issue. You know, it's really the farming of sick citizens because as we're trying to treat these symptoms with the method that, you know, we're taught when we go to a typical university, you know, taught pharmacology, we're not removing the real issues mm. and it's not working. Everything keeps getting worse. Heart disease is getting worse every year. Cancer's worse every year. Alzheimer's worse every year. Diabetes, obesity. The, our medical system is failing. It is, it is already failed over and over and over again. And enough is enough. We have to do something different. And when those systems are so stable and just running as business as usual, it's a lot harder to change. Mm. But now with things being as they are, even though these issues that we're talking about today are not getting adequate attention yet, mm -hmm. I promise you with folks like myself, yourself, many of the people listening, we're going to keep standing up and speaking up and putting the attention on what's most important, mm -hmm. which is getting our citizens healthier. Mm -hmm. That protects us from all manner of chronic and infectious diseases is having a healthier uh, human body. It decreases our susceptibility to all manner of things, but it's not getting attention. It's not, it's not even been spoken of hardly at all in major media, but here's the thing I'm about to do uh, right now. I'm doing so much major media and I'm going to make sure that people are paying attention to this thing. And at the end of the day, though, as you know, Lori, there's still this big underlying, when I said earlier about the farming of sick people, a big underlying premise is, is money. Mm. You know, and if businesses are getting hit, their bottom line is getting affected when folks are getting healthier, that's a problem and there's mm. going to be resistance. So something I used to be really against was like working alongside these major corporations and fast food chains now. And I swear, this is the craziest thing. 
they reach out to me all the time to work together, you know, whether it's like Nestle invited me in to to work with their their team, which is crazy. It's just like, do you guys know what I do? You know? (laughs) And the same thing, Target. What are they asking you when they invite you to, in? To work with their team, mm-hmm. to work with their team on, you know, possi- possibility and like product framing and like wow. looking at what's happening with the ingredients, things mm-hmm. like that, but also like wellness training for their employees. Wow. You know? And it's, yeah, it's really, it's really an interesting thing because again, if they start to see like healthier employees mm-hmm. is going to help our bottom line, it's going to save us all these millions and millions of dollars in insurance costs and these things. It just starts to like filter in the good stuff by what whatever means necessary. So I'm much more open to working alongside these different, you know, mega brands and mega corporations because at the end of the day, they have so much control over what citizens mm-hmm. are doing every day in America. And I wrote about this in Eat Smarter. 84 million Americans are getting fast food every day. And here I am for years, like, don't go in McDonald's. They're going to kill you. I haven't been into a McDonald's myself in, you know, 20 years, except I had to pee one time, like really bad. Uh, and then <laughs> and when, when I went in there, so. I was like, oh, right, right. They were there, you know, but they actually had, I, had, I hadn't seen, they got like televisions up and just like, the, they got the Wi-Fi. They're trying to create a vibe in there. I'm like, oh, this is kind of nice. <laughs> but so trying to shift the buying behavior of 84 mm. million people, like, with my, you know, just say, hey, the, these ingredients are doing this and that, rather than like, let's work with these companies to ensure they're bringing in mm. and improving their ingredients, removing things that are known, clinically proven to be dangerous to the people they're serving mm. and, and highlighting that. And that's one of the things, that, of course, that I'm doing with this work too. But, you know, I'm very open and I'm looking at multiple dimensions because at the end of the day, this change is going to be from the top, da- top down mm-hmm. and from the bottom up, individual choice and changing industry. Yeah, that's so interesting because a a lot of times when people are trying to create a change, they'll kind of create this separate conversation instead of actually going into the largest conversation and seeing how you can start shifting it. And, you know, it's it's gonna be, I feel like that's gonna be just a great, you know, way to start getting these the people who are actually controlling the conversation for the most part to be able to start shifting, even if it's small. Like the that's how it starts, right? Like even the smallest shifts of, oh my God seeing how they can have this impact on their employees. And like, just that alone can start changing perspective. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a, there's a change that's taking place for sure. And, you know, as more, and this is one of the premises of the book, because unfortunately in our culture, when we think about the average person thinks about diet and nutrition, it's cognitively, like it's connected in their brain. It's associated with weight. Yep. So our nutrition diet is associated with weight. And I think this is a massive mistake and it has mm-hmm. not served us because nutrition, our food controls so much more than that. Our yeah. brains, the, the, what was literally enabling us to have thought and feeling and emotion to, to receive the information right now, the tiny little bones that are vibrating, creating the you know, the communication that's then getting transmitted into electrical signals and sent through all our brain cells, all that is based on food. Every one of those cells involved in that process is made from the food that we eat. Our heart is made from the food that we eat. The blood that's running through our system is made from the food that we eat. Our gastrointestinal tract, 
those organs, all associated, your eyes, your ability to do everything is based on food. Mm-hmm. And, and here's really where this connects to, to what you said. Our ability to communicate with other people and to have like emotional intelligence, our ability to perspective take and to have patience and understanding, and even our proclivity towards aggression. Mm. I, I'm providing for the public for the first time in a way that makes sense for everybody, how food affects all of those things. Mm-hmm. So the conversation is so much bigger. And once we can, okay, yes, absolutely. Food does affect our metabolism, but it also affects your ability to create memories. It also affects your ability to focus. It also affects your emotional intelligence. And the list goes on and on. It starts to put so many legs under that belief on how powerful food is that we automatically start to make the right decision Mm. because it affects everything about us. Oh man, I mean this this is so close to home. This is like such a large piece of my story, my you know, family story. I think just I I think I'm speaking for a lot of people when I say it has been a huge controller in my in my life and I can also see throughout my family it's reflected back at me. Um, you know, there there's so many diseases, autoimmune diseases, depression, anxiety that runs in my family. And I know that when I switched how I ate and how I felt about food, which I still I still work with it because it's so ingrained, Sean. It is so ingrained to like experiences, emotions, fitting in, um, so many different things like that. But I it, it's it's to the point where I can narrow down, like I can look at a plate of food and know how I'm going to react afterward. Like I know if I'm going to have no patience. I know if I'm like not going to be able to finish a task. I know if I'm going to start an argument. I Like I literally have a visceral, <laughs> like I'm eating. When you say like you eat your feelings, you literally are. Like broccoli, you're eating something that's probably mm. going to make you feel good. A donut, I'm eating something that's going to, I'm going to be pissy and probably mean. So <laughs> it's just a completely different way of looking at it. So I really want to, I, I want to dive in there because... I don't think, you know, I grew up in a time where it was like food wasn't even a topic. It was like, oh, they can't possibly be lying to us. This can't be bad for us. If it's on the grocery shelves, like it's got to be okay. And at a young age, I noticed how when I ate certain things, I'd want to take a nap or I'd get crabby or, you know, I'd have anxiety or whatever that was. Um, And I think just reading kind of opened up my mind as far as what it was doing. But I want to know, I I think just starting with like the emotions around the food that we're eating and how that impacts us would be a great place to start. Absolutely. That's so powerful. You know, and this is one of the things that we really want to break down is how our environment affects our food choices. But our on the other side of that, our food choices also affect our environment Mm. and how we kind of show up and affect the world around us. And the data on this is nuts. And I actually talked about you in the book. As I was writing that section, this is when I, when I saw you and you were sharing your story mm-hmm. and looking at how our family constructs affect what we eat. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, in, we have to remove ourselves from the environment for us to heal. Mm-hmm. And here's one of the things, just one of the big kind of takeaways for everybody today. And one of the opportunities we have right now, this is an opportunity we have right now to kind of reestablish healthy family structures, Mm. you know, like we were getting more and more. I know that we are incredibly pulled apart right now in a different domain, but just without any other kind of outside force, we were just getting pulled further and further away due to technology, due to work demands, due to addiction. 
Mm. You know, we were just like separating. And this is one of the things that's hurting us the most. Harvard researchers, and I went through this and talked about this in the book, Harvard researchers uncover that people who consistently just simply eat dinner with their families frequently consume more real whole foods, fruits and vegetables, and they consume far less soda and processed foods just in the simple act of eating together as a family. I grew up, I can literally count on my hands how many times we actually sat down and ate together. Mm. We often ate at the same time, but it's more like a freak for all, you know, like grab something, you sit wherever. Oftentimes, you know, in front of the television, there wasn't that kind of structure around food, except maybe, of course, occasional holiday. But specifically, they also found that families who eat together also have significantly higher rates of, in consumption of things that are critical to uh, not just survival of the human body, but thriving. So they found that folks who ate together had consumption of more B vitamins, vitamin C, vitamin E, antioxidants, lower glycemic foods, uh, more calcium, fiber, folate, all that stuff. Basically, that one simple practice of eating together creates better health outcomes. And what they looked at too, and I, I want to share this too, this was published in the Journal of Nutrition, Education, and Behavior, found that children who ate meal with their family at least four times a week were far more likely, which again, this is mirrors the first study, to consume more whole foods, fruits, and vegetables, and far less processed food and soda. Mm. Now, here's the other part. They also found that these children were far less likely to engage in disordered eating, right? Mm. So associating with what we, you know, we have this label of eating disorders, but also dramatically reducing their risk of obesity as well. Just the simple practice of eating together as a family. And this is the part that might get looked over in the study is that this was actually done on low-income households, this study. Yeah. And low-income households are the primary place in the research where we see these issues taking place because of the environment itself. And I know this intimately because, again, this is where I come from. You know, we were on food stamps mm-hmm. and WIC and getting food from food pantries and, you know, shelters and things like that. And so the quality of foods that we're eating was absolutely terrible. But because of the marketing around food at the time, we thought we were just getting all the, you know, it's fortified, vitamins, minerals, mm-hmm. you know, like give your kid the best. <laughs> and it's not re- that's not real food. You know, even in one of the studies that we talk about today, just the nature of like cheese, for example, you know, like legally Kraft can't even say it's cheese. Mm. There's not enough cheese in the cheese. It's Kraft singles. It's not Kraft cheese, (laughs) you know? And so eating that kind of stuff, you know, and making our tissues out of it. Like I said, this is literally what's creating our brain, creating Mm. our heart, creating our hormones, you know, but simply eating together, whether or not the family is low income household or they're doing really well financially, this practice, because it creates a level of intentionality behind it, it creates a level of, of communic- communication and connection. You could even see just what's going on in the lives of the people that you love. So this is one of the, the healing mandates that I want to help to kind of rekindle in our culture is just the act of eating together because mm. it, affect, it directly affects how we eat and what we eat. Mm. God, that's so good. I even I even notice right now once in a while, Chris and I will be like just standing in the kitchen eating at like the kitchen counter. And I'm like, we need to go sit down, <laughs> like connect because mm. you and I just ate a crap ton of food. We didn't even know that we ate. Like there's something about actually consciously also like sitting down and getting intentional with your food and being like, 
currently I am enjoying a meal instead of like, what emails do I have to do and thinking of all these other things? Um, And I know that you talk about the perception of the food that you're eating and how that like impacts our mind and body. I would love to hear about that. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is good. (laughs) So there's a section of the book and I talk about our psychology around food and how our belief systems around food affects how food affects us. Mm. And this was highlighted by a researcher, uh, Dr. Alia Crum and her team. And they made up a batch of milkshakes. And these milkshakes were around three, we'll just say around 380 calories, right? But they took the milkshakes and then they put labels on them. And one of the labels said 180 cents a shake, you know, sensible milkshake, 180 calories. You know, basically, you know, this is, this is good for you. It's just a low calorie consumption, sensible shake. And that's what some of the, the test participants got. Then they had another uh, labeling they put on the same milkshakes. They put 620 calories, uh, indulgent shake. All right, indulgent. So this is a decadent, indulgent milkshake. Even though the amount of calories was the exact same, here's what happened in the different test subjects. The folks who consumed the milkshake, thinking that it was an indulgent, high-calorie milkshake, actually had a dramatic decrease in their body's production of ghrelin, Hmm. which is a major hunger hormone that drives us to eat, that drives our appetite because they believed that they were consuming a lot more calories than they actually were versus the folks who consumed the sensa shake, the sensible milkshake, their ghrelin levels barely changed at all, Mm. meaning that they would be hungry again soon after. And the crazy part again is that they were drinking, they were all having the exact same amount of calories, but their belief affected what their bodies were doing in response. It was affecting the very hormones that control our fat metabolism. This is just one example of how powerful our minds are in affecting what our biology does when we interact with food. And so if we can basically placebo ourselves and understand that our minds are the most powerful pharmacy in the known universe. And I say that truthfully because it's making bioidentical for real. Like these are, these are perfectly orchestrated and made for you and your receptor sites, the hormones and neurotransmitters. And they're so heavily based on what we believe about a thing. And so now, of course, there are degrees to this stuff, but I want people to know that the placebo effect is very, very powerful. And so if we're coming into a diet and we're already under the assumption that this is deprivation, restriction, it's not enough, our tendency is going to be towards that diet feeling Mm -hmm. versus the folks who have like, oh my goodness, this diet is amazing. I've I feel so satisfied. The food is delicious. They're going to have a a tendency, a propensity to have better outcomes simply based on their perception of how good the diet is. So not only do we want to address the real things that are happening underneath the surface with the nutrition, which we'll talk about, of course, but also to address what's happening upstairs, what's happening with our minds and meld these things together so we can get some better outcomes. So interesting. Um, you know, I, so funny. I was just thinking that the other day I was like reaching in my cupboard and I was like, oh, that ghee looks good. And I was like eating a little bit of ghee off a spoon. And I was like, how funny that the world shifted into making me think that butter is healthy. Like in the 80s or 90s, mm. I was like, 
I'm never touching butter, like no fat, like, you know, but I would have all the calories and sugar in the world, but no fat. Um, right. cause I was a yeah. habitual dieter. And I just thought, you know, I, I literally laughed to myself, like part of this could definitely be placebo, how we're all like butter in your coffee, more butter is better. Um, and some people were probably getting more fit. And some people who thought butter was bad may have been potentially gaining weight. Who knows? Yep. So that's the, that's the part that's so interesting. And I know you'd said you'd, you'd talk about how it can actually impact, you know, nutrition, but is that because it's what our brain chemical is sending out? If we believe that, you know, butter is good at one point, am I still going to gain weight or can I really placebo my way into, you know, eating sticks of butter? Not that I want to do that. <laughs> this is, this is so good. This is so good because it's both. It's a both and world, you know, there is a, there is a reality behind things, but our, our biology is largely controlled by our beliefs. Mm. And this matters. Like this isn't a part, a part of the popular health conversation, but I want people to know this today moving forward. This is why we have to have placebo controlled studies mm. and we have to address in all the very gold standard of clinical trials. We have to address the placebo effect because on average, Placebos are about 33% effective wow. on average. So if somebody's taking a drug and they believe this is to reduce their blood pressure or to normalize their blood sugar, the list goes on and on. It's about 33% effective on average at doing that thing simply because wow. the person believes it. I mean, that's a now, lot. With that said, oh man, it's, it's, it's remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable. Yeah. And but with that said, on the other side, though, we do want to be mindful of the sheer amount of toxicity and damage that the average person cannot supersede with their beliefs. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so this gets into the conversation of stacking conditions in our favor. So we understand the power of our minds, but also we understand the power of food to literally make our minds. Yeah. And like you said earlier, you can look at a food and know like, oh, yep. This, this meal is going to come with a nap, right? This stack <laughs> of pancakes, yep. definitely, you know, they come with Z's. Mm -hmm. So what does this look like? Um, first and foremost, in kind of looking at the big picture of our society right now, our culture right now here in America, and what I talked about earlier in the rampant issues of epidemic health problems, heart disease, diabetes, obesity, the list goes on and on. A recent study, and so I want to make sure that folks know this because I went and found the freaking numbers. This mm -hmm. isn't just, I think that this is real. A lot of, the, I know, again, yourself included, growing up, if I could get McDonald's for like, you know, get a burger, fry, a drink, and a freaking toy for like oh, yeah. $3, you know, <laughs> get the happy meal. You're going to be happy. Happy. All right. You got $3, three to $4 for a, something that is incredibly cost intensive to make. Mm. What goes into making that burger is incredibly complex. The fries, the soda, all of the processing, the packaging, all of that stuff. So much costs are involved versus an avocado mm. that can cost you two to $3 as well. Mm -hmm. A whole meal of different foods versus something that can literally fall off a tree is the same price. How the hell is that possible? Mm. And the thing is, in our culture, because I can get more, there's more variety, I can quote, get full from that meal. I can get two for 99 cent tacos. I can get 
you know, two burgers for $3. Why on earth would I spend that money to get an apple? Yeah. Our system is structured in a way that directs people, almost forces people to make the the poor food choice. And unfortunately, this is by design in a sense. And I don't like to share this in a, in a way that's just like there's some malicious intent, but I'm sharing it in a way that we are educated about it because what fuels and allows this to happen is because many of these foods that are showing up through the drive-through window, the processed foods that we see in the grocery store, these are able to be provided at such a low cost because of our government subsidizing the food commodities that come through the drive-through window. The U.S. government has handed out hundreds of billions of dollars in wow. agricultural subsidies for the production of these major commodity crops that largely show up through the drive-through window and in processed foods. And a specific study, and this was published in the, in the peer-reviewed journal, the Journal of the American Medical Association Internal Medicine, they actually set out to find if higher consumption of these foods derived from government-subsidized food pro- programs is associated with adverse health risk to U.S. adults, mm. all right? They tracked it. So this is the, the wheat, the corn, rapidly used for you know, high fructose corn syrup, the soy, these massive commodity crops. And here's what they found. They adjusted for sex, age, socioeconomic factors, and many other ve- uh, uh, variables. And here's what they discovered. The researchers found that those folks who had the highest consumption of these subsidized foods that again, largely come through the drive-through window at a 40% greater increase of being obese, okay? This is directly showing up in, on our bodies, the, the consumption of the foods that our government is paying for. And the crazy thing is, even when I say our government, that means us. Mm. We're paying for it. Yeah. This is coming from our tax dollars. We're paying for the very food that is making America so obese. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, these folks who they tracked consuming the most of these uh, subsidized go- uh, foods from the government, they also had significantly higher rates of belly fat, significantly higher rates of uh, blood sugar, higher levels of inflammation measured by C-reactive protein. The list goes on and on and on. We know for certain that the way that our food system is structured directly encourages radically higher rates of disease and obesity. Mm. So- that's just kind of at the foundation and looking at the negative side of like what we're putting into our bodies, damaging us, you know, and because again, it's a both end world, the psychology matters, but also the bare bones, very tangible act of eating certain foods is definitely having an impact. So we're just going to take a small break to talk about your bra. Yes, I know that you are probably wearing that old reliable bra because it's comfortable, but there is something better out there. And I did the same exact thing until one of my friends told me about Third Love. They use the measurements of millions of women to design bras with all day comfort and support. They have a perfect fit promise and they stand behind their products. So if you don't love it, exchanges and returns are free for 60 days. They have bras starting at just $45. So you can find your favorite bra with high quality, comfy styles starting at a low price. They have more than 80 sizes, you guys. And also you can find your fit in 60 seconds. So this is what I did. I was really nervous to buy a bra online because I always like to go in and try them on. But I did the Fit Finder quiz. I took it in 60 seconds. I answered a few simple questions to find my bra size based on breast size, shape, 
and the fit issues that I was having. So the perfect fit promise is that they stand behind their products. And like I said, you can return it within 60 days. So if you need extra assistance, they have a team of expert fit stylists and they're available to answer any of your questions over chat or email. So Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering my listeners 10% off your order. And I will tell you, you need a new bra. Go treat yourself. They are so cute. Go to thirdlove.com slash E-Y-H now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 10% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash E-Y-H for 10% off today. Oh man, it's so interesting. And and it's also, and, and this is just a whole other conversation about how addictive those foods are. Like Chris and I would go like, you know, at this point in our lives, we, when we met, we were both on this road of like trying to be healthier and we lived in Minnesota for a while and we would drive home to Wisconsin. And a lot of times we wouldn't pack food. So there's literally in the Midwest, nowhere to even like choose to eat healthy on the road if you don't pack your food. Uh, you're eating at a fast food place or like a subway and getting some weird lettuce. Um, and then, so we would watch, we'd like be like, okay, let's get McDonald's, but we won't tell anyone about it. So we'd have McDonald's and literally by the, like, by the next exit, we would both be looking at each other like, would you judge me if I wanted another cheeseburger? Like if I, if we pulled off, mm. like they're so freaking good. Like how is this chemical food so good? And like him and I both knew better, yet we would always acknowledge how much like crack it was. We were like, this is truly like <laughs> everybody's hypnotized. And it's like, we keep choosing what makes us feel terrible. And deep down, like he, we both knew it, but we're like, let's hit up the crack again. So <laughs> And, and then you think about what goes into it. So I'd love to just like get your opinion on just, uh, you know, the amount of time that goes into, like you had mentioned, making this food to create that, you know, person who keeps on coming back. I just always thought that was interesting. Do you have any research on that at all? Yeah, absolutely. So of course we, we cover this as well. I leave no stone unturned in this book, <laughs> none, you know, because this is the thing. There's always another aspect to it. Mm. And so we dive into the science of flavor, Mm. all right? The science of flavor and the way that humans evolved, there's something really interesting. It's called post-ingestive feedback, all right? Post-ingestive feedback. So as we evolved, you know, over, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of years, um, but even just in the past centuries, when we would eat a food, your body basically is like taking notes. Like, okay, so you just ate this particular food. Okay, I've got some copper here. We've got some magnesium. Got a little bit of uh, sodium. I've got some uh, tryptophan. Like your body takes notes Mm. based on the flavors and it creates this association. It's called, again, post-ingested feedback. This flavor, this type of food is going to provide me these nutrients, all right? And they actually did studies on animals to really test this and see like it's a direct thing. Like in nature, animals know they go, they're not just eating whatever. They're going for certain foods because their body is telling them that I need these particular nutrients. Mm. And so a a, a quote, normal human, we would have those same uh, abilities. We'd have that same kind of inner guidance system. We still do. It's just, it can get really, today it's gotten hijacked. Mm. Food manufacturers have hijacked the system to the degree that flavors are now like it's the, 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 the clarity of flavors have been skewed. And what, one of the big things that took place was called a 
a gas chromatograph and they could basically isolate certain flavors and figure out like, oh, this flavor is associated with these chemicals. And so this is how we get like uh, tofu that tastes like chicken or we get like, you know, uh, yogurt that's strawberry flavored. There's no actual strawberries in it, Mm. you know, and the flavor doesn't have to be exact, but it's close enough to muddy up the waters. And so when your when your brain is associated these particular flavors with a certain nutrient profile, yet those nutrients aren't coming because it's just this processed food that you're consuming, all of a sudden it starts to mess with our system of hunger and craving and regulation mm. because your body thinks, okay, I'm going to be taking in and it's crying out for these things. I need it needs magnesium. I need some uh, I need some boron. I need some copper. I need some. Uh, 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 tryptophan, as I mentioned earlier, I need some lysine. The list goes on and on. I need some omega threes, and usually this flavor is going to come with this. Now I'm eating this food, and I don't get the nutrients. Your body inherently is going to tell you to eat again because mm-hmm. it didn't get the things it expected from that hunger it's crying out with. Here's one of the big takeaways. Another one of them is that chronic nutrient deficiency leads to chronic overeating. Mm-hmm. All right. Chronic nutrient deficiency leads to chronic overeating. If your body, if you're having that hunger signal, this is a signal from your body that something is off. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's okay to be hungry, but having these abnormal cravings and constantly being hungry, that is a big issue. And there's those things are controlled by our hormones. And these particular foods are manipulating what's happening with our hormones Mm -hmm. in negative ways. And this is just like an overarching picture of it. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely want to talk about that association a little bit more with hunger mm-hmm. and how it's kind of wired up in our popular culture in a really kind of twisted way that we need to fix. Mm. Yeah, it's that's crazy because it, so even if I was eating the fast food and not feeling satiated, like Chris and I were always like, wait, are we like weirdos? Like we can eat and eat and eat and we're not getting full. Like this is a problem, like bottomless pit. Like him and I both have always shared that, but looking, you know, now that we know we were not getting nutrients, but it's also the flip side. When I was competing in fitness competitions, I was eating more, you know, broccoli and greens and protein than I can tell you, but I was missing so much. I was missing variety. So you can imagine I was still always hungry. And it was like, but I just ate, you know, like 15 ounces of chicken. Like I shouldn't be hungry. And you're like, no, you are like something was missing. And it's, it's like, we know it, but then we read about different things and everything is changing. And um, I think this is just so huge for people to understand, like you're going to be so much better off, like going and exploring that thing that your body might potentially be craving. Cause this is the first time in my life, like I feel regulated because I allow myself to do that. So food isn't controlling my every thought. Yeah. You know what you just said too? Oh my goodness. You know what your body isn't hungry for when you eat that 15 ounces of chicken? It isn't hungry for chicken. No, never. Anymore. It's just like, that's, that is the thing that you'd be good on. Like, ah, you know, I'm not really hungry for that anymore. It's because also one of the biggest drivers of health that we, you know, I'm kind of really, again, bringing to the forefront um, is our microbiome diversity is directly related to our body composition. Mm. So as our diversity of microbes goes down, our levels of obesity and body fat go up. This is very clear in the data at this point. And one of the main things that drives down our diversity of microbes is a lack of diversity Mm. of our foods. Interesting. And so 
this is one of the things we have to target. There's this whole category that's known as prebiotics. That's great. We go through and talk about several of them, but essentially every different food is a form of prebiotics. They're feeding some strains of bacteria, you know, viruses, fungi, all the different microbes that are in our microbiome. They all need their preferred food, food source to keep us healthy. And you might pull out a food haphazardly, you know, doing a competition, whatever the case might be, or just, you know, to try to fix the health issue or to lose weight. And yet your genes, where you come from, your ethnicity, your lineage has been having this particular bacteria strain and feeding it a certain type of food for centuries Mm. has actually been protecting you. And now, and the diet might work because you were, you know, in deprivation, restriction, whatever it is for a certain amount of time, then all of a sudden, maybe it's a year later, it doesn't work like it did. Mm. And you get frustrated and you're just like, ah, it's, it's my fault. I've loosened up the reins on this. I just need to, 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 to keto a little bit harder. I just need to, to, Mm. to vegan a little bit harder. I just need to, I need to do, I need to be more strict. And people start abusing themselves because of a diet framework Mm. and not understanding that their body, your, your metabolism is unique. There has never been a person with a metabolism like yours, exactly like yours in the history of humanity. There never will be in the future ever. And the craziest part is, and beautiful part, is that even yourself right now today, the person a week from now, you a week from now, will have a different metabolism. It is constantly changing and in flux. Our unique metabolic fingerprint is always changing. And we have to be able to have the tools to adapt. And that's what we're really focusing on. Because as you mentioned, another factor is how processed food manufacturers are able to manipulate what's happening with your chemistry. Specifically, you know, they have, I mean, they're they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year to really figure out ways to make you buy more of their product, Mm. you know? And so they know that there's also this feedback uh, in a normal kind of functioning of a human. The human brain is very, it, it repels too much of one like intense flavor. And so if you have too much of one thing, there's just kind of one flavor note. This is why it's kind of hard to overeat a, a real whole food, like mm-hmm. one thing without yeah. any, a bunch of like pizzazz done to it. Totally. Your brain's just like, oh, that's enough. <laughs> but what yep. they've done is they've isolated, they found just the right amount of this chemical, just the right amount of that flavor, just the right amount of this so that it never hits that alert button in your brain. Mm-hmm. And we have this vanishing caloric density as well where you can eat the food and it's literally your brain is like not even picking up that it's consuming calories because it disappears so quickly. Oh, dang. You know, and so- I got that. And, <laughs> and add to that as well, the, the, the whole conversation about addiction hmm. and what's happening with sugar. The thing about sugar, and, you know, of course, like this is one of the things everybody can agree on, but we don't really get it for real, real. Hmm. And so I'm bringing that forward what it is, the human brain, it's only about 2% of our body's mass, but it consumes about 25% of our calories that we eat. Wow. All right. It is a ravenous, hungry organ. If you understand how powerful it is, it is the most powerful organ, most powerful entity, really, in the known universe. It is so remarkable. And you have one. Everybody has one. That's the cool thing. Mm. But we, unfortunately, we don't get an owner's manual as to how it works. But the human brain is so ravenous for consuming energy 
but the blood-brain barrier only allows in specific nutrients. It's very choosy on what it allows in. Mm. And here's where, where it gets interesting with sugar is that, you know, so many processes in the brain run on sugar are glucose. And so there, that blood-brain barrier, there are like toll, there's a toll booth there for like omega-3 fatty acids to come through. They're express past uh, uh, five lane, 10 lane, super quick toll booths for sugar. All right. It just can run into your brain in droves. And Harvard researchers found that your brain will gladly confiscate half of the sugar that you consume in a meal. Wow. Like if you can, if you're drinking a Mountain Dew and you're bringing in whatever, you know, 60 grams of sugar, your brain will snatch up 30 of those grams quickly, you know? And for me, it wasn't just a Mountain Dew. I'm doing that. I'm doing the Dew plus, you know, I'm doing the super, the super big gulp version Mm -hmm. plus the candy bar, whatever the case might be. So your brain is just getting bombarded and it creates this like, uh, neural inflammation is one of the big topics today, but most importantly in this conversation, it creates insulin resistance in the brain. And now that is the thing most closely tied to Alzheimer's and Mm. dementia, this degradation of, because just like this wasn't a thing in, in, in decades past and generations before us, it was more of a, uh, a much smaller percentage of folks experienced this, especially at younger ages, Mm. like today, early onset Alzheimer's and dementia, it's running rampant. Wow. Dementia uh, Alzheimer's is actually, a lot of folks don't realize this, it's creeping its way into the top five causes of death. And the question is like, we just kind of associated because of like movies. I know when I think about it, I think about the notebook, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the, you know, she lost her memory and just like, but no, this is a devastating condition. Folks can forget how to, to, to move. Mm-hmm. They can forget how to swallow. It's devastating. And this doesn't have to happen. Mm-hmm. A big part, we know that up in the top three factors of this is our rapid consumption today of sugar and mm. the addictive qualities and the impact that it has on the human brain. So there's so many facets like we, in your story and like driving by for me and when we were traveling, like going to my grandmother's house, we'd always stop at this place called Dog and Suds, <laughs> right? Dog and Suds, like going to the country and you get the root beer float, you know, you get the, they got the Wieners there. They got oh, that yeah. Wiener. you know, and of course, you know, it's just like a part of the travel process. And just through the drive, all you got is fast food, just McDonald's, you've got Burger King, you've got Mm -hmm. Wendy's, you know, and wondering why folks, when we have that food, it affects us so much differently. Mm -hmm. It's, we're not doing this superficially anymore. I'm really teaching everybody how this stuff really works so we could be more empowered. Yeah. Oh, that's so... So my grandma has um, Alzheimer's and then so did Chris's grandmother who has passed away. And I will tell you that when we when people talk about them, one of the main things that we say that's a memory is they loved their sweets. You were having sweets with them. You were baking sweets with them. You were constantly... They were kind of like sneaking sweets by their... You know, wherever they were sitting in their rocking chairs, like sweets, sweets, sweets. And it's... I've seen this with so many of my friends, you know, grandparents as well, that it's... It's easy to be like, oh, that just happens when you get older. But then when you actually look at what someone's pattern was or their history, it's it's really crazy how it's it's just it's right there. But we don't. It's like we want to ignore it, right? We don't want to think that because we're highly addicted to all of these things. Um, and oh my God, Sean, there's so much I want to talk to you about on here. So I'm going to see if we can fit in just a couple more questions um, while we have time because I don't. 
think that people understand how deep it goes. Like you have, you have topics in this book about food and relationships, food and sleep, um, food and psychology, the science of meal timing. So you literally cover everything. Like any question you may have about life or how you're showing up in life can be <laughs> probably be can be, right? Because it's what we're made of, can be associated to food. So I would love just real quick how like to learn about how nutrition can affect some of our relationships and emotional intelligence. Absolutely. So one of the things we all have, I call it our hangry representative. You know, <laughs> we have an alter ego. And hangry is like this term has become popular in our culture, but this is a very real thing. When your blood sugar drops, to, you know, most of the reason that this happens for most folks is that we get a high glycemic input and then we crash. But when your blood sugar is running low for our biology, it's a serious problem. Mm. And it's going to respond to get things back to baseline for your survival, because you never know when your system needs to be ready to, to make a move, you know, mm. fight or flight. So it's going to respond by kicking up levels of cortisol and adrenaline to get your blood sugar back to normal. And so, but the sidebar, because it's cool, like that can happen, get you normalized. The sidebar is that those catecholamines are associated with aggressive behavior, mm. all right? And so I, I know this, like I've done this with my wife so many times and, and together, both of us, like we might've just left the gym together. And I know like yeah, somebody's being a little snappy, you know, it's just like, <laughs> but we, for so often we didn't really get what was going on, you know, and so now we like we have a checklist. Well, I know that I do, you know, no disrespect. She doesn't have to have a checklist. I'll do it for both of us <laughs> um, because she has all the leeway in the world. Let me be clear. Uh, but if there's a conflict, I go through this checklist like, OK, am I am I hungry? Why am I? Why, why is this happening? And it takes a, it takes some work to be able to do this in the moment, by the way. Um, or or is, am, did I sleep well? Did she sleep well? Mm. Is she under a lot of stress? Am I under a lot of stress? You know, and just going through this checklist because a lot of times our conflicts with our significant other aren't, they're the stupidest things. Totally. You know, like, um, I don't know. Uh, why, why do you have one house shoe in the living room and then one in the bathroom? Mm -hmm. Like, what is that? You know, like <laughs> the silliest stuff, right? Um, but these are the people that we love. And so Ohio, the Ohio State University did a study and they wanted to monitor what would happen if they can you know, get folks to have a, a crash in their blood sugar mm. and how they're responding in a conflict with their partner. And so they took couples and they found that when their blood sugar was abnormal, they were far less likely to resolve conflicts in their relationship. They were far less likely to be able to perspective take and to see the other person's point of view just based on their level of blood sugar and their blood sugar not being normalized. All right, that one thing. And so this encourages us again, like we want to eat in a way that supports kind of stability in what's happening with our blood sugar. And then to, on top of that, let's really look at one of the big issues going on in our world today. There's never been such prevalent. And like now with social media and all this stuff, you get to see it. So much aggression towards other people, so much infighting, so much just an, an inability to manage oneself and, and our responses to other people. You know, people are going online just looking for a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, people are going out their door just looking for a problem. And I know this because I was one of those people, like for real. Like I grew up in an environment, I literally walked around my school 
looking for a problem. Mm. I just, in my, I mean, just from where I'm from, it's just like, I wish a mother would, yep. you know, it's just like, yep. <laughs> that was the thought process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my environment was just conducive in the way that I ate, in the way that I associated with my, my emotions. You know, the, the violence that I saw around, uh, around me is just a byproduct of that thing. So I know this very, very intimately. Mm. And to the degree, just to give people like a note on like real world application of this, my entire junior year of high school, I was scholar athlete, student advisory. I was accepted into the first uh, collegiate program to like do uh, college coursework with my high school. Like I had a lot of stuff going for me mm-hmm. on paper, like academically, but I got into a fight because of one of those times was just like, I, I had that blueprint and I got kicked out my entire junior year of high school for a fight, mm. you know? And that led to obviously so many tremendous challenges and problems in my life that I had to overcome because of me responding in the way that I was uh, adapted to or, or conditioned to in my environment. And the thing is, and this is where it really the, the, the rubber meets the road for everybody. Oxford University researchers, they took, and they did this really interesting study. They wanted to see how nutrition could affect our behavior and also our proclivity towards violent offenses. And so they took a group of prison inmates, and this is unfortunate, but in our mind, psychologically, we already see them as poor behavior uh, of tendencies toward violence. We already automatically see that. But the benefit of this study is that it's a ward study. It's controlled conditions. So you can monitor exactly what's happening under conditions where they're not going out somewhere. They're not just like, well, I'll see you guys later. I'm going to go and you know, actually, I'm going to go to Pasta House or to McDonald's or whatever. So they can track everything. And here's what they discovered. They gave one group of prison inmates increased nutrition in the form of minerals, vitamins, uh, uh, omega-3, essential fatty acids, which we know directly. Again, we have gates, the blood-brain barrier that directly drives omega-3s into the brain for signal transduction, for reducing inflammation in the brain, the list goes on and on. So they gave one group of prison inmates improved nutrition in the form of all these different vitamins, minerals, essential fatty acids. And another group of prison inmates received a placebo. They compiled all the data. And after the data was compiled, they found that the folks who were receiving increased nutrition had a 40% reduction in in behavioral offenses. Wow. All right, just right off the bat. And this was over the course of a three-month study. And most shockingly for me was the folks who were receiving increased nutrition had a 37% reduction in violent offenses. Wow. Mm-hmm. So what are we doing right now as a society, even myself personally, and walking in those shoes of being somebody so sick, so deficient in all these things that enable me to even access what's happening with my, uh-huh. you know, my prefrontal cortex and being able to distinguish between right and wrong and my social control. They're there. We can be compassionate. Mm-hmm. We can choose not to engage. It's just harder yeah. when we're not well. It's harder when we're not nourished. Oh God, I, I can see this in my own life and the evolution of my you know marriage in both of our personalities. That is so insane. And also it's empowering at the same time. Like there've been times in my life where, you know, right now I'm, I'm, I'm heading for like a really big dream. And the, the note that I keep getting from my brain and like the universe is like, you need to upgrade the operating system with like what you're eating. Because I know that that is direct correlation to how I'm feeling about things. If I have the energy, if I have the motivation, if I'm pissy or not, like if I think the world is good or if I think the world is bad, it's so like, it's so tied to what I'm eating and how I'm sleeping um, that 
there's like no denying that that's the first thing I look at when I have like a big goal or a relationship is not going right. These are the things that we already, like, you know, you already yeah. know mm-hmm. inside of your, your, you know, your spirit, your gut, you know, and this is related to, again, back to our psychology. Yeah. And if my mission is to get us to actually be able to gauge and to pay attention to what's happening in our inner world. Our bodies are always giving us feedback as to what it needs to thrive. But today we're so externally focused and distracted and there's so much going on that pulls us away from that internal feedback. And so mm. we've also come to accept a lot of things as normal. Yep. You know, we might get a small alarm going off in a body in the form of like a little bit of, you know, gastrointestinal issues. But if we don't address it over time, it starts to kind of fade into the background. It's not the alarm isn't there anymore. We just accept it as normal. Yeah. And the next thing we know, the alarm gets louder in the form of something else. Maybe this has turned into an autoimmune condition mm-hmm. and we're starting to experience some symptoms of arthritis or some thyroid issues or skin issues, whatever the case might be. Our bodies are always giving us feedback. But the thing is, if we're not able to, 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 to turn within and to have that inner intelligence, we're always going to be at the mercy of what's going on out here mm-hmm. and trying to figure it out. Like, let me try this thing, try this diet, try this exercise program. My mission is to get us tuned in to the, num- the number one most important guidance system on what you should eat is you, is your unique metabolism, mm. your unique brain. We just have to clear up the line, the static on the line so that you can actually hear your body talking to you. Mm. So good. And I know that, you know, at this point, people are ready for all of the answers of how to change that. And you've shared a lot about what that is. And I know in your book, you talk about strategies, um, you know, of what they can do, how they can think, maybe the timing of their meals, talking about sleep, uh, talking about really, really talking about why the impact on our emotional intelligence, our relationships. And I think that this is so huge because we are so much smarter and happier than we think we are. Like so many people think that. Yeah. It's just what they were born with, or this is who they are. And it's abs- I, I think that there's so much to unlock through what the work that you're doing. And your book has all those answers. Like, Sean, this, this must have taken you so incredibly long because I'm like, this is literally everything that you could ever want to learn. Like, I, I pray that you feel like this is like your best work because this is truly game changing for so many people. So you guys are definitely want to going to want to go out and get this book. Um, So I want to know just one last thing that you want people to know, like something that maybe we didn't share. I know there's a million things, but something that's on your heart. Mm. Thank you so much for that. And yes, (laughs) but working on this book, it it became an obsession. You know, I stopped (laughs) doing literally everything else in my life. I just Mm. go to the studio once a week and then I was just researching and writing, researching and writing. And so to see this all coming out now to the world and, you know, seeing already just the the feedback from the people who've got a chance to read the book already, it is absolutely, I, I just really feel like I was born for this. I was born for this moment. I'm grateful that this came through me, that I got to be a part of this yeah. because I really do feel that our society needs this right now. And for it to be coming out at this exact time, is just, mm-hmm. you know, pretty mind blowing. And um you know, I think that at the end of the day, most important is for us to understand truly how powerful we are. You know, we've received so many messages recently about how incapable we are of taking care of ourselves, mm-hmm. how incapable we are of being healthy. 
And the messaging has been so disempowering and so terrifying that we could be conditioning entire generations of humans and especially our children to believe that they're not enough, that they're not capable. And all they're missing is the same old model, the same old pharmaceutical model that they're just deficient on this drug and then they're going to be okay. And the truth is, if you look at the evidence, it has not worked. It has not worked. Our society right now, again, we're the sickest society in human history, self-inflicted, self-inflicted. It's a very big difference. We've solved so many problems of, you know, food. Like there was a time we had to go and hunt, you know, now we just got to go to the refrigerator, you know, now, matter of fact, you don't have to get up. You just door dash it. Mm -hmm. You know, the world is very different now. And we have all of these advances, but at the end of the day, there are certain things that our genes expect us to do. And if we do not provide the things that our genes expect from us, what manifests are programs of disease and degradation. It's just pointing us to the behaviors that really keep us healthy. And the great, this is the best part about this whole thing is that it can be fun. It can be, the process of learning about these things could be an adventure. And throughout the book, there's going to be times where you're, you know, you're just going to, you're going to laugh. You might shed a few tears, but ultimately you're going to feel empowered. You're going to walk away feeling like you just got the most powerful masterclass on nutrition that was possible, Mm. you know, and we get more people walking around fueled with this information and empowered. We truly can change the world. So Mm -hmm. this is not just about us. It's not just about you. It starts with you. But this is also about your family. This is also about your community. That's how we change the world. But it really does start with us. Mm. So good. So true. And where can we... Everybody needs to get this book, number one. Where can we find it? When is it out? All the things. Awesome. So it's releasing uh, nationwide uh, December 29th. Mm -hmm. And we have a special 2021 wellness campaign with Target stores that kicks off on January 3rd of 2021. So just really kicking the, the, the new year off on, on a high note and a different approach, different perspective, a different focus. And so demand it. Like we have to get these companies, these organizations to know like this is the kind of information we want. Because it's not typical that a book of this caliber is featured in, as a 2020 right. Uh, 2021 wellness campaign with Target stores, you wow, know, that's in, in Middle America. Mm-hmm. So we have to demand and show these companies that this is what we want. This is what we want for our citizens. And so make the investment in yourself, but also mm-hmm. just show, show everybody, show these companies that this is what we're about. And it's so beautiful. I used to, when I was in high school, I worked at Target. You oh know, God, I was like awesome. pushing the carts and. I was like a floater. You can see me in the electronics department, the walkie talkie. And now my book is there, you know, and this is just on the strength of so many incredible influences and, 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 you know, uh, having the opportunity to interact and work with so many people over the years. Amazing. And so, yeah, anywhere that books are sold, you know, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, get copies for yourself and for people you mm-hmm. care about. Uh, a target, of course, as well. And just even local bookstores and independent bookstores, they really need some love right now too. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that's it. And thank you, Lori, man. It's just so awesome to hang out with you anytime. Even though you dipped and, and left when I moved, you know, <laughs> you're like, oh, come in. It's fun here. And then you left. But 
I well, I left you with a gift of California in all of its amazing weather. So, well, I want to do a um, book giveaway, Sean. So I want to um, buy 10 of your books for my people. So what we're going to do, you guys, is if you tag Sean, can you give him your IG handle? It's uh, Sean Model, S-H-A-W-N Model, Sean Model. Amazing. If you tag Sean and tag myself and let him know what your biggest takeaway was from this particular podcast, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the first 10 people and I will send you guys each a copy of his book. So make sure you're uploading, you're sharing to get his message out there. And also it's just like such a gift for the actual guest who actually gets to see the impact of what they've said or what they've done or what they've taught. And this is Sean's life work is just educating people and bringing awareness to empower them in their lives. So Sean, I'm so grateful for you. Like anytime I can hang out in your knowledge, I just feel smarter. Like I actually just feel smarter being able to call you my friend, but I'm so excited about this book and I'm so grateful for you. So thank you so much for coming on. That's so sweet. Thank you so much, Lori. I appreciate it. And you guys, if you love this episode as much as I did, make sure you share it. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye, everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest, thought and honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. But a lot of people don't keep this up consistently. And most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high-performing people. It leads to longer-term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more people journal? Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about or they just forget. That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement, and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal, and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time, and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't, and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our lives life. 
It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthday.com slash Lori. Hey, I know if you're listening to this podcast that you have big dreams and big goals. And one of the things that can really stop you is struggling with your marketing. Trust me, I have been there. Are you using 10 different systems just to build your online business? Then I want you to try Kajabi. Kajabi helps you build your web pages, set up funnels, and sell your courses, content, coaching, or communities. You've been hearing me talk a lot about funnels on this podcast and the importance of your email list. You can get a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. I've talked about Kajabi before, but here's something that's super cool and new. They just rolled out an AI assistant for creating your online course curriculum. And this means you just type in a topic that you wanna create on a course or webinar and bam, it just generates a sample outline for you. It takes a ton of the hard work away. Of course, you're gonna customize it to be your own, but this really helps you get over the struggle of how in the world to start which is where most people stop. If you're like me, starting is always the hardest part and that's what makes Kajabi so popular. They've made it easier for creators to build web pages, build courses, build coaching programs, build membership sites, build checkout pages, and build email funnels. So if you're struggling with any of those, you gotta go check it out. Go to kajabi.com. Kajabi was really the first all-in-one system and is trusted by over 100,000 creators. I think that's good enough for me. Also as influencers and marketers who use this. And now their smart AI platform makes it easy to take what you know and turn it into an online course and business. Go start building with a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. Hey, do you know what the big secret is this year? And it shouldn't be a secret because this should be your biggest focus. It is building your community. I am always working on building and nurturing my community. And everyone is talking about the power of community. Without an online community, you just cannot grow organically or create a real movement, which is what I know that we're all after. And you can build trust or monetize your audience. When you get community right, not only does your audience grow faster, but so do your sales. But where's everybody gonna be managing their communities these days? And a lot of online entrepreneurs and thought leaders are turning to circle.so. Circle is an all-in-one community platform. It lets you host content and create discussions, live streams, group chats, and memberships all under your own brand. And what's so cool about Circle.so is that you don't even need a website or Facebook group. Instead, Circle lets you build your own community site where you can host content and manage your members. You can even create locked and unlocked content spaces, groups, and classes. How freaking cool is that? You can put your content behind a 
paywall too. And you can charge different amounts of money for different spaces on your community site. Circle.so is famously easy to use and it has a free 14 day trial for you. So you can go check it out, see if you like it, see if you love all the options. Just go to circle.so, go check it out right now, you guys. Imagine being able to manage your community, start group chats and live classes and accept payments all in one place. Kind of mind blowing since this is usually spread all over the place. You have to log into so many different things. If this is the year to capture, organize and monetize your community, head over to circle.so. You can get a free trial and start building your online community right now. Just go to circle.so. You guys, you get the 14 day free trial. So just go and see if it's for you. It's going to streamline everything and make your life so much easier. It's so freaking cool.